tieflings and tabaxi, high elves and halflings, barbarians and bards. Welcome back to Raw School. Open up your player's handbook as we take another deep dive into the magical and mystical world of Dungeons and Dragons. Class is now in session. Welcome back, students, to another Welcome. episode of Raw School. <laughs> I'm excited about today's episode uh, because we're going to be talking about equipment. Equipment. And I know what you're thinking. You may be thinking that we're going to just talk about armor and weapons, but there's actually so much more in the Tons world of, of equipment. Tons of shit. Yep. That's what we're going to title this episode. Tons of shit. T tons of oh shit. D &D. <laughs> tons of oh shit. It. Yep. So if you wanted to review all of the, the universe of equipment uh, and things that you can own, Within the player's handbook, you're going to be taking a look at chapter five, which starts off on page 143. So we're just going to walk you guys through what your options are, what certain things mean, uh, what you have available to you as you go forth and level up in your character. What yeah. what does this all mean? Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, we'll skip some of this stuff about like starting wealth and coinage. You can read those sections, but just talk to your DM, ask them how much gold you have to start with and right. what rules they're following. But um, basically the main source of gold that you start with will come from your character background that mm -hmm. you choose. And just be aware that every class you'll get to start off with usually a choice of, of items. It's, it's usually a few different types of weapons and armor. Um, uh, and it says like either, either like one martial weapon or one ranged weapon or, or like hide armor or scale armor or something. So um, just be cognizant of that. And also every class starts off with um, an equipment pack of some sort, the contents of which can be found on page 151. If you're confused about what like a Dungeoneer's pack or a priest's mm -hmm. pack would include. Okay. So do we maybe want to start with armor? Yeah, let's do it. So, basically speaking, if you look on page 145, there are three general types of armor. Light armor, medium armor, and heavy armor. The lighter the armor it is, the more of your dexterity modifier you're going to be able to add to it. So, if you notice, um, with padded armor, leather armor, and uh, studded, studded leather armor, armor uh, you, you're able to add your dexterity modifier, and there's no cap on that. There's no limit. It just says... Add your dexterity modifier. So if you have a plus five to dexterity and you're wearing studded leather armor, that's 17 armor class with just studded leather armor, which is pretty awesome. Joe, I have a question and I actually don't know the answer to this. So this will okay. be a learning experience for me as well. <laughs> um, why is it that light armor padded armor gives you disadvantage on stealth checks? I was actually just looking at that and I'm like, I've never, I've literally never used padded armor. <laughs> I, my, my thought is so padded armor might be um, uh, like make noise while it's moving. So that mm. could be an, a, a reason why um, it, it only costs five gold. So I guess the theory is if you wanted to, if you were using like, if your DM wanted to use like, okay, you all start with 10 gold, but no equipment um, for whatever reason, then like, 
maybe you would want to choose to buy padded armor, but get like, why would you take, I don't know. I wouldn't take that. <laughs> so yeah, always go with leather armor <laughs> over yeah. padded armor. It's worth the five gold. And if you can afford the studded leather, do it. <laughs> yes. Studded leather armor is amazing for 45 gold. It's the best light armor that you're going to find at, uh, you know, in terms of player handbook items. Um, and and in terms of what your DM might add to the game, they might put in all types of armor that can get you really cool benefits. But um, you're pretty much going to be uh, looking at this armor, especially starting out. So Anna, um, Iso is a paladin. Mm-hmm. She wears heavy armor. That's Do you want right. to talk a little bit about heavy armor? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you'll find it at the bottom. Um, heavy armor, so you can have ring mail, chain mail, splint, or plate, which seems ridiculously expensive. And I don't know that any <laughs> of our characters in any of our campaigns has a plate. Um, but I, I believe I wear chain mail. Uh, but it's under heavy armor. So if you look across, it gives me an armor class, just a basic armor class of 16, which is actually really fantastic to have at level one. Um, And then if you keep going down, and we talked about this briefly last time, um, my character also has a shield. So as part of my starting equipment, I had the option of taking an extra weapon or I could have one weapon and one shield. And I definitely went with the shield because that added plus two to my AC. So if you remember, AC means armor class. It's the number that my enemy has to reach in order to be actually able to hit me. So I had heavy armor chainmail, already had a base score of 16, add my shield into that. That's an 18. That's incredibly high, actually, for for a first level. Very, very sturdy character there. Um, But if you look across, you'll see... That the I need um, there are two things of note here. One is that I actually had to have a base strength number of thirteen before I could wear that chainmail. Um, so in order to be able to gain the protection of something like heavy armor, since it gives me a higher AC, but to be able to fight properly, wield it, and wear it my character has to be strong enough to do that. And so I needed a strength score of at least 13. Mine's like 16. So I was, I was good (laughs) on that. Um, And then if you keep going down, you'll see that when, whenever I roll for stealth, I have disadvantage. And if you remember disadvantage means that I rolled two D twenties and take the lower number. Right. That's sort of the trade off with heavier armor is that the benefit is that you don't have to worry about dexterity because you're not adding your dex modifier at all. It just gives you a base AC, like Anna said, but that comes with needing a high strength score and you're going to be clinking and clanking like pots and pans down a hallway. (laughs) So just be aware of that. Um, But there's also a really nice middle ground, and that's medium armor. So medium armor kind of marries the two together. You get to add a maximum of two from your dexterity modifier to to your armor, and it has slightly higher base armor than light armor. Um, but, But it doesn't give you the same level of protection as heavy armor, but also doesn't necessarily impose disadvantage on all types of armor. So if you look at that middle section, you have hide, chain shirt, scale mail, breastplate, and half plate. Only the scale mail and half plate impose disadvantage. Um, And if you have half plate, you can have a a base AC of 15 plus up to two of your dexterity modifier. 
So if you are a class, like a martial class, like a ranger or a fighter, and you have at least a 14 dexterity, then it's actually a really great idea to look at uh, medium armor as an alternative to heavy armor. Awesome. Yeah. So that's, I mean, armor is pretty simple. Of course, there's also shields. Um, we talked about those last time as well. You can hold, you have to use a full hand to hold a shield, um, but it gives you an automatic plus two to AC. So yeah. That's, that's pretty awesome. great. <laughs> and if you, if you flip the page to 146, um, I don't know that all DMs use this, but they give you times that it takes to put on or take off. So donning and doffing your ar- armor. Um, and I'm not, I feel like my character is just like always in her, <laughs> in her armor yeah. when she's walking around. But of note is that if I don't call out that I have my shield out before a battle starts, then pulling out a shield in the middle of combat can actually be an action. It, it would be an action if your DM so chooses to use that rule, which yeah. means that an entire action where you could be uh, attacking or casting a spell or whatever, it would actually be spent putting your shield in front of you. Absolutely. Um, and also... I forget where in the player's handbook this is, but if you're wearing heavy armor, you can't swim in heavy armor. Mm. Um, you actually will probably drown if you just get plopped in water. Um, and it takes you five minutes to doff or take off heavy armor. So just be aware of that. If you're going into any marine areas, you might want to stick with medium or light armor instead. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, I use a homebrew rule in my campaigns when it comes to shields um, and and two-handed items um, because I think an action is just, it's a lot to sacrifice. High price to to pay. (laughs) Yeah. But but yeah, just be aware of that. Your DM might stick to this rule. And if that's the case, then just, you know, just know you're not going to be able to easily swap a shield in and out. Yeah. Awesome. So um, we can move on to weapons. Mm. Weapons! Smashy, yeah. smashy! Well, um, there I'm, are... I'm in sort of this voice because I played a barbarian in a, in a little one-shot earlier this week for the first time. And that's and the got... voice you used? That's the voice. His name was I Mechus. love it. His name was Mechus Briggleby. I put it on Facebook, actually. <laughs> it's because it was recorded on someone's Twitch stream. That's right. And um, it's it's... Sorry, I, I just wanted to share that because I really <laughs> like that voice. Mechus Would you care Brigobre. to tell us about weapons in that voice? <laughs> well, well, all right. Well, your weapons. No, I'm not. I can't. I'm gonna <laughs> I like almost legit lost my voice when I was doing it because it's very raspy. Um, but yeah, so weapons come in like two main categories. You have simple weapons and martial weapons. Um, so your simple weapons are, are going to be uh, weapons that Almost every class, with the exception of like wizards, um, can wield. But most other classes can wield um, simple weapons to some degree, mm-hmm. um, and even even wizards can can wield like daggers and stuff. Um, your martial weapons, however, are going to be reserved for your fighters, your barbarians, uh, your paladins, and like certain subclasses, like certain subclasses of cleric might give you access to martial weapons, but not all of them. And the way that you know that is that when you read about your class, it'll tell you what kind of weapons you have proficiency in. So any character can buy any weapon and try to wield any weapon, literally, like any weapon you want. 
The problem is that, as we told you before, right, when you make an attack roll, if you have proficiency in that weapon, it means that you get to add your proficiency bonus to that attack roll uh, in addition to whatever modifier you're using. Um, and that adds to the roll, right? So that can make a huge difference. Like if my proficiency bonus is a plus three and I roll something like a 15 and, you know, we're looking at a car- with at an enemy that uh, has like a higher AC, that plus three is going to mean huge things. So there's nothing stopping you from picking up a weapon and using it. Just know that the math that you use to calculate what number you have um, to attack the enemy is going to change depending on whether or not you have proficiency in that weapon. Yeah, and the same thing actually is true for armor, only armor is even more restrictive. If you do not have proficiency with armor, so if you're a wizard and you're not proficient in heavy armor and you go ahead and you know put on that plate mail, that full plate mail, then you are going to have disadvantage on ability checks, saving throws, and attack rolls that involve strength or dexterity, and you can't cast spells. Imagine a wizard with (laughs) low strength, who's not proficient in heavy armor, who's like trying to lift their arm in full plate mail, and is like, I can't do somatic components. (laughs) Like, you're going to have a really tough time. So make sure you look at those proficiencies listed on your class page. And so simple and martial are the two kind of differences between the weapons, but there is an additional kind of sub difference there, which is that a weapon can be a melee weapon or it can be a ranged weapon. So a melee weapon, you're going to imagine it, you're like in the thick of fighting, right? Like your, your short swords, your long swords, your great swords. Uh, what else is there? Your scimitars, your tridents, melee weapons. Um, Ranged weapons are exactly what they sound like. You can fire them at a range, so you can fire them at a distance. And most of the time, that's going to be your like longbows, crossbows, things like that. Right. Now, we talked about this last time when we had Sandy on, but there are actually some, or rather two episodes ago, mm-hmm. um, but there are some weapons that can be used either with one hand or two hands. And it actually will tell you right on page 149 of the player's handbook, um, how many hands you need to hold something. So if it's two-handed, it will say two-handed in the description. Like if you go down to the glaive um, or the great axe or the great sword, those are all two-handed weapons. Um, But there are weapons called versatile weapons, like quarterstaffs, which is actually a simple weapon, Um, long swords, Warhammers. These are weapons that can be wielded with either one or two hands. And depending on which uh, the number of hands you're wielding it with, it can actually do more or less damage. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's important to note that, you know, if you're holding a shield, obviously you can't also have a greatsword because you need to have that second hand completely free and a shield would obstruct your other hand. Right. Um, So you just want to make sure, you know, when you're wielding your weapons or picking weapons, think about the other things your character is going to be doing. If you don't have the warcaster feat and you are a wizard, well, a wizard can't wield two daggers in each hand and do somatic components or hold material components of a spell because you need a free hand to do that with. So another thing to know about weapons is that the general rule is that if you're dealing with a melee weapon, you're going to add your strength modifier to the attack bonus and to the to the damage. If you're dealing with a ranged weapon, that's going to use your dexterity 
But certain weapons, and I believe they're called finesse uh, in, in the player's handbook, finesse weapons, and that'll be described in the properties, uh, they can use either. So something like a rapier, it's a finesse weapon, which means that it can use either your dexterity modifier or your strength modifier, which is great because if you have a rapier as, say, a rogue even though you're in melee range with a with an enemy, you can rely on that dexterity modifier, which is usually going to be way higher, uh, to wield a rapier. So very handy. Yeah, absolutely. Finesse weapons are incredibly important to look at as if you have a high dex score and still want to be, you know, a fighter that primarily relies on weapons instead of spells. Um Another important distinction is that some weapons have the throne property. Now, the throne property basically just means you can throw the weapon um, and it has a range much like a ranged weapon. Um, only obviously, whereas a bow, you have multiple arrows. If you have only one dagger and you throw it, newsflash, you no longer have that dagger. You have to go <laughs> pick it up. So um, uh, just be aware of that. But if a weapon like a dagger, which is a finesse weapon, meaning you can use either strength or dexterity, also has the throne property, which a dagger does, it means you can use either strength or dexterity when you throw the weapon too. Um, and again, that's the modifier you're adding to your attacks and damage. So it's really important to like just sort of be aware, okay, am I, am I a dexterity-based fighter or a strength-based fighter? Which is which? And then you'll see on some of the on the thrown weapons or on the ranged weapons that in parentheses it will describe a range and it'll give you two numbers. One will be a smaller number and the other one will be a larger number. What that means is that let's take a uh, let's take a dagger since we've been talking about daggers and it says the range is twenty slash sixty. And what do, what do those numbers mean? It means that within twenty feet. You can just make a regular attack roll and add your regular modifiers and whatever you roll on your d20 is going to be the number that you use for that attack roll plus your modifiers. But if you go beyond 20, so between 21 feet and 60 feet, your attack rolls are at disadvantage, which means you roll two d20s, take the lower number, and then add all of your modifiers to that. If an enemy is 61 feet or further away from you, you cannot use a dagger to attack it with because it won't go that far. So think of it as your uh, maximum for 1d20, your maximum for disadvantage, and then beyond that, you can't use that weapon. Right. So now in, uh, I don't know if it was the last, oh, it was the last Raw in Order, Anna. You talked about how much you loved a longbow. And here's mm -hmm. why a longbow, it's a martial ranged weapon. So you do have to have, uh, you know, proficiency with that in order to use your proficiency bonus. But if you do the range in which you can shoot at, I don't know, with a normal attack is 150 feet. That is pretty much any battle mat that your DM <laughs> is going to have. And if, and if not, you can probably move within range to shoot mm -hmm. with it. So that's an amazing weapon to have. Um, elves uh, get proficiency, wood elves, I think get proficiency with longbows. So like great race to pick if your class, like a rogue does not give you proficiency <laughs> with longbows. That is a great way to get around that little caveat. Um, and their, their range at disadvantage is up to 600 feet. That is insane. <laughs> Think about that. I mean, it's that's ridiculous. I don't even know if I can see farther out than that. 
No, that's like two Statue of Liberties on top of each other. Oh my gosh. That's insane. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. There are a few more things that you could look at in, in these sections to learn more about these weapons. Um, there's two th- more things I want to touch on. One is if something says the special property, um, special weapons have certain features on them that make them impractical or impossible to use like normal weapons. This usually has to deal with like mounted combat, probably not something that you're going to be dealing a whole lot with for low levels. If you're interested in mounted combat or if you're interested in a weapon, um, uh, such as a net, which is actually a weapon um, that has the, the special property, read this section and talk to your DM and who knows, maybe you'll be able to utilize that. But the other important aspect of weapons is the concept of a weapon being light heavy or not mentioning something like that at all. Um, If a weapon has the light property, that means that you can wield two light weapons um, at once, one in each hand. You can dual wield. I love dual wielding because it Mm -hmm. lets you use a bonus action to make an offhand attack. So Anna, your character Jin is a is a uh, College of Swords bard that That's has right. that that wields two scimitars, and uh, actually and, it's a scimitar and a short sword. Oh, I'm I'm <laughs> apologize. Oh, a scimitar and a short sword, and you're able to make because we're what seventh level. We're seventh level. Yeah, you're able to make two attacks with your main hand and a bonus attack with your offhand because exactly. those are both light weapons. Now. The caveat there is that with the offhand attack, you normally cannot add your modifier, your dex or strength modifier to the attack when you hit. It's just you just roll the dice on your offhand attack and add it. However, if you are like Jin and you decide to take the martial feature to weapon fighting, then you Mm -hmm. do get to add the modifier to that offhand attack. Um, And if for whatever reason you are dual wielding, definitely take the dual wielder feat. It is a phenomenal feat. Mm-hmm. It actually lets you dual wield weapons that don't have the light property. However, you cannot dual wield weapons that have the heavy property. Those weapons generally require two hands. Um, so I love taking the dual wielder feat and dual wielding two battle axes. That's a D eight on each hit. Um, nice. And it's just fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jin, I mean, being Jin is amazing. I get to make three full attacks uh, when I yeah. decide to do attack actions. So pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. So, oh, maybe the only other thing to discuss is the type of damage. So, uh, yes. Yeah. Do you want to, Anna, do you want to talk about like the different types of damage? Sure. Yeah. And actually the book makes it really easy for you for each weapon. It provides you with the information, exactly what you need to know for the type of damage. So, you know, something like a club has bludgeoning damage, which makes sense. Um, For your daggers and your swords, it can be slashing damage or it can be piercing damage. So you're going to want to look up whichever weapon you have to make sure that you're getting the right kind of damage down. And you may think that, okay, like what's the big deal? What's the difference between slashing and piercing? Like, does that actually matter in combat? It does because this is Dungeons and Dragons and everyone is special and everyone has crazy abilities that you have no idea about. And some creatures or enemies or humanoids can have what's called resistance 
And we've talked about that. So some some of us have resistance to certain types of damage. And if a creature has resistance to piercing but not slashing, that makes a big difference about what kind of weapon you're going to wield. Right. Yep. And you could also come across creatures that might have weaknesses to certain types of damage. Right. So, yeah. Um, awesome. Okay. Should we wrap up with a discussion of just like all the other shit? <laughs> Yeah, like just briefly discuss what what else is yeah. falls under equipment. I mean, if you look on page 150, you're going to see a really fun chart. And uh, it's all provided to you in alphabetical order, which is very handy. And then as you read through the player's handbook, it will describe the items to you. But adventuring gear, there's costs associated with it and even weight associated with it. So you know how much it how much it's going to weigh when you're carrying it on your back through the wilderness. Um, adventuring gear are those like extra random things that can be hugely helpful, um, not just in combat, maybe not even at all in combat, but for survivability, they can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, they serve a lot of different variant varying purposes. Joe? Yeah. I mean, if you just take a look at all the different things, there's like alchemist's fire, for example, which is something you can throw that causes fire. Um, all of your arcane foci are listed there. You can have a backpack, bedrolls, some, uh, uh, something that has come up in um, all of my campaigns are pitons, which I learned that was the pronunciation. <laughs> those are those little metal spikes you can hammer into cliffs to make it easier to climb. Um, that's the kind of stuff you want to think about when you're playing D&D. And on this page, if you have, if your DM says you all have 50 gold, go buy whatever's in the player handbook that you'd like, you can say, cool, a potion of healing is here. That's really, really, that's a, an oh, amazing yeah. item. Like, do not uh, underestimate the power. That can bring someone back from the brink mm-hmm. of death. Um, or you can buy, like, 500 pitons if you want and a, back, <laughs> and a backpack to put them all in. This also has a component pouch for yes. spell casting. So mm-hmm. very handy. Um, different types of clothes. A crowbar can come in handy a lot. Mm-hmm. Druidic focuses. Um, um, my character Jin bought a bag of caltrops, which just sounded fun. So I can't wait to use those. <laughs> <laughs> and the use for all of these, for most of the, all of these items, is explained on the next few pages. Um, another one that's really common is ball bearings. Mm-hmm. So most rogues will start out with this, but ball bearings are you for a for what is it? One gold for. Two golds? No, one it's, gold. It's one gold for a bag of a thousand ball bearings. <laughs> yeah, think of all the uses that could be. Oh, you want to check if there's a trap somewhere? Throw a ball bearing. You want to see how how long, how far a fall is before something hits water? Drop a ball bearing. Like, the uses are really, you know, w- whatever you can think of. And it's perfect for comedy. <laughs> release 100%. some ball bearings and watch people slip and slide over them. <laughs> whoop, 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 whoop. Um, so some other things to be to take of note, like ca- your carrying capacity or what you're able to carry, um, the, the space that you can physically contain uh, things in, like a backpack or something like that. Most DMs kind of just glide over a lot of that stuff, but talk to your DM, see how much of a stickler they're going to be for that stuff. <laughs> um, the only other really important point to note about gear is on page 154, and that's tools. Um, your class, background, or maybe even race or other features about your character may give you access to different tool proficiencies. Now, 
if you can go ahead and read through all of these, they all have different uses. Um, you can look online. Uh, there's a lot of homebrew stuff. Like in, in my campaign, we use uh, our Druid Tyler um, uses an herbalism kit. And um, we, we use this homebrew feature where he goes and forages for plants and makes potions and things. Um, but I, I just want to point out how important one of these can be. So if you look at thieves tools, so thieves tools is it's 25 gold. It's listed towards the bottom. And um, this is going to be what a rogue uses for pretty much all of their rogue shit. Okay. If you want to break into somewhere or, or pick a lock, which happens a lot in D and D if your rogue doesn't have thieves tools, then unless you have a wizard or sorcerer or bard who can cast knock, then like you're pretty much shit out of luck, right? <laughs> you're going to have to like bang bash down a door if it can even be bashed down. So having access to tools can actually be really important. Mm -hmm. And don't be afraid to ask your DM if you can use tools in unique ways to to do cool things. I within my dwarf campaign, my dwarf broth deer, um, he has access to smith tools. And my DM was like, Yeah, you can like totally craft your own shield. So I got to like create my own shield and like what it looked like and all the features of it and stuff. And it's just really cool. That's awesome. There's yeah. also instruments you can buy, by the way. And Jin <laughs> owns a couple, so Yes. That's just super fun. <laughs> Yeah, if you're a bard, hello, you're going to use one as your spellcasting focus, most likely. Um, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff. Uh, poisoner's kit to make poisons, alchemist tools. Like, ha have fun with these things. And Absolutely. My, my character, Iso, just bought a forgery kit. And I don't want to give away how I'm planning on using it, but I have very exciting plans for this forgery kit. So I'm very wait. excited. <laughs> I can't wait to make you roll dexterity checks on how well you're able to forge a document because <laughs> it's not charisma based. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, mounts and vehicles, other shit, you know, look, read, read the book. Enjoy it. This is interesting and neat stuff in here. To There's to some really about. fun things yeah. uh, in here that, you know, can make uh, your your game playing experience just that much better. And so don't don't just stick to the like basics of it. Take the time to go through and really learn about what is out there in the universe of trinkets and kits and other equipment and other material to really up your game. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Class is dismissed. See you next time.